This is Archbishop Nelson Perez, and you're listening to Advancing Our Church. Welcome to Advancing Our Church, a Changing Our World podcast about Catholic stewardship, leadership, and advancement. And I'm your host, Jim Friend. Well, welcome back, everybody. Happy Labor Day. I hope you had a terrific long weekend. We are back after a long hiatus over the summer. Hope you had some time away with your family, your friends, and if you didn't get away, hopefully you found some time for a staycation, some time just to unplug and deprogram a little bit and uh, get ready for a new fall season. I'm here today with Fred Roberts and Tom Farrell of the Changing Our World team, and together we're going to talk about increasing generosity, and it's going to be the beginning of our new series, which will be focused on helping Catholic organizations, meaning parishes, schools, dioceses, to increase offertory, increase donations, communications, and engagement with your various audiences. And we're going to talk about our experiences, some of the work that we've done with our clients, and some of the things that we're seeing around the country that hopefully will help you as you plan out your fall and continue to move through this, uh, this virtual environment, this different environment in which we're all, we're all working in. So let me just welcome first Tom Farrell, Senior Managing Director for Changing Our World. Welcome, Tom. Thank you, Jim. Good to be with you. Good to have you back. And Fred Roberts. Fred is the Managing Director for Changing Our World. Fred, great to have you back on the show. Thanks, Jim. Glad to be here. So, guys, how was your summer? What's uh, What's been going on? Tom, I know you just got back from a little vacation. Tell us about it. Yeah, Jim, um, uh, my wife and I, we uh, took a road trip up to the Finger Lakes in uh, western New York. Uh, we stayed uh, on one of the lakes, which is called Cayuca Lake, uh, just west of Seneca Lake. Nice. Uh, and uh, all south of the city of Rochester. Uh, we had a great time up there. Weather was was so-so. It rained a little bit, uh, but we were able to do a little hiking and some sightseeing and visit a number of wineries that the area is popular for. Beautiful. Uh, we had a great time, and it was just good to, uh, to get away. It was about a five-hour trip to get up there, um, but it was just really relaxing. It's a very rural area. Uh, not a lot of traffic, which is nice. You know, living here on Long Island, uh, traffic kind of rules our lives. So it was great to, to be up there and relax and uh, take in some of the sights and some of the history uh, that's part of that, uh, of the state of Western New York. That's great. So, Tom, did you bring back any souvenirs from the wineries? Just a few, Jim. Just a few. <laughs> great. Just, just a few, the ones we liked. I think, uh, you know, over the couple of days we were there, we got to four or five of the wineries, and they have you have to make an appointment for the tastings, and then uh, you kind of get to choose what, what you like and what you want to buy, and the prices are really reasonable. And I think uh, we were around Lake Seneca. There are over 40 wineries uh, on the west shore and the east shore of that lake. And uh, it was just really something. And uh, that's a part of the country that I had never been to uh, before. We figured that, you know, with uh, the COVID thing, we'd stay within New York State, you know, not have to quarantine or anything like that. And uh, people in the hotel were just wonderful and happy to see us. It was just really a great relaxing time. Food was great. Nice. Um, I, would rec- I would recommend it. A lot, lot of people from Pennsylvania up there, I noticed. A lot of Pennsylvania drivers, uh, uh coming up from Pittsburgh, western part of uh, PA. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I guess it's a destination for many folks, you know, from that part of the country, too. That's great. Any any particular restaurants you want to recommend to our listeners? <laughs> any any particular cuisine that the area is known for? 
Well, we hit like uh, most of the places we went to were, were kind of like pub style. Yeah. Uh, so there's a place in the town of Penyan, which is on the northern shores of Lake Cayuca, called Timmy G's. Nice. Which is really good. And they make an incredible Cuban uh, wrap, which uh, was very good. And, you know, there's breweries up there, too. I don't want you to think I went on like a drinking vacation, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's just a lot, a lot of choices and things to do. And, uh, and the hiking was really, you know, spectacular. One of the trails that we went on was 14 miles long. It was loaded with all these waterfalls and I like, I'm into history. So, you know, there were some revolutionary battles that took place up there. And I learned a lot about the Finger Lakes, how they're, they're all kind of connected and fed by these outlets and various creeks and streams. Uh, a matter of fact, Lake Seneca is quite deep. It's over 600 feet deep. Whoa. So, uh, um, you know, who would know that, right? Right. Unless you started reading the, the things in the hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrific. Yeah. Fred, how about you? Did you get away at all this summer? Uh, well, no, Jim. Uh, pretty much uh, staying close to home here in Northeast Ohio, uh, the family and I, you know, with the, trying to adjust to the new normal. So, I guess the highlight of our summer has been um, we were we invested in a above ground swimming pool uh-huh. uh, that our families really enjoyed. So, uh, we've gotten plenty of use out of that since we haven't been able to uh, to really get out in the into any of the uh, public pools or. Um, you know, with everything pretty, um, uh, pretty well shut down. So, uh, so yeah, it hasn't been, uh, you know, uh, a lot of travel this summer, hardly any, as a matter of fact, looking forward to, uh, getting back to doing some, some more traveling next year. Yeah, that's great. How many kids do you have, Fred? How, what are the ages? Two kids, uh, grown, uh, daughter who's, uh, now 24 and then, uh, a son who's, uh, one year from high school, he's in eighth grade, Justin. So he just started back to school uh, yesterday was his first day. Uh, so that was a, a big uh, a big shock to his system because he hasn't been uh, in a classroom since March. So uh, everything went well with that, fortunately. So good. Uh, so yeah, we're we're getting back to you know where we were, ready to excited for the future. Well, all my kids started uh, virtual school basically this year. I've got one uh, sophomore in college and two in high school, a junior and a senior. So um, they went into classes on Tuesday, got their books, but they're going to be virtual till the end of October. That's the plan for now. Um, our, our vacation was pretty similar to yours, Fred. Um, mine was more of a, a work from home, a work at home vacation. Uh, we ripped out our entire front yard, took out all the plantings. Everything was overgrown. The house is about 40 years old. So um, everything, I think, was original to the front yard. We ripped out all the bushes. Um, That was a huge, that was one week of vacation. My second week of vacation was spent planting new bushes. So I dug 30 30 holes, 30 holes for 30 bushes. And I've planted three trees in the front yard. And uh, to top it all off, we decided, I decided I didn't want to do mulch anymore. So we went with rock. We decided to do rock in the plant bed. So get this, I ordered 10 tons of river rock. Uh, and I'm, uh, I'm, I've moved nine of them. I think I had the last ton or so sitting in, in a pile in the driveway. So that's, uh, 
moving that last pile tonight, uh, hopefully with a couple of kids helping me. But uh, it's starting to look good, starting to pay off, but it has been backbreaking labor. Um, a little bit like Job, are you? Yeah, a little bit like Job. Yeah, and my and uh, of course the neighbors, you know, all walk by and tell me how great it looks, which is always nice to hear. And you know, but uh, I feel like we've been on display all summer. Like the whole yard's been ripped apart, and everybody's wondering when we're going to finish this project. You're a true steward of the landscape, Jim. Yes. <laughs> well, that's great, guys. I'm I'm glad you found some time uh, to relax a little bit this summer and have some fun. And and um, Tom, you just celebrated uh, your anniversary. How many years? 32 years. Yeah. So married 32 years and um, nice. been in the same house for uh, about that, that time, 30, 33 years, uh, 31 years. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so uh, it's the same thing. You know, we have a pool in the back, so we've been enjoying that and working out of the home office these last few months. Uh, yeah. Brought the family much closer together w- with the unfortunate circumstances. So trying to look at the all the positives. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's go ahead and focus a little bit on um, maybe that's a good transition. Tom, talk a little bit about how we've been working differently uh, since March. All of us have been pretty much working from home from March and, you know, how we've been working with our clients. And it's changed for all of us, obviously, uh, everyone around around the world. Um, but, I, I, you know, one of the things that we wanted to focus in on in this episode was um, the the moving from crisis to growth. And I think, at least with uh, some of our clients at Changing Our World, we're beginning to see our clients begin, many of our clients begin to move from that crisis mentality to to, to a growth mentality, and, and we're experiencing some successes. Um, Fred, I know you're, you're doing some work uh, out in... Um, out in the Connecticut area, out in the Archdiocese of Hartford, and we had uh, Bill McLean on the podcast in the spring. Um, how are things going out there? Uh, Jim, it's going really well. And, um, yeah, so we did uh, uh, pivot uh, from uh, a capital campaign, an Archdiocese-wide capital campaign uh, that uh, was launched in 2018, um, earlier this year, uh, to to help the, the Hartford Bishops Foundation, who's the uh, the organization that's uh, that's managing the, the capital campaign. So we pivoted in in March to help them to uh, to really uh, address a lot of the emergency uh, needs that had arisen in in parishes throughout that archdiocese. Uh, and um, you know we're very successful in helping to uh, raise about a half a million dollars to. Uh, to be able to support parishes in their their time of need. So uh, we did, um, as I said, pivot away from the capital campaign at that time, uh, where we were uh, preparing to uh, to get started with a, with a, an entire block of parishes. Uh, so that work uh, came first. And uh, now what we're seeing is that uh, parishes are are slowly getting back, getting their folks back, and starting to to be ready to meet in person. Uh, to uh, so that we can refocus on uh, the task at hand, which is to uh, to continue on with, with the capital campaign. So there are many growth opportunities that that we're seeing. Um, I think what's really important is that uh, uh, the parishes do everything that they can to to stay connected and to to be better connected with the, their people, which has been the big challenge. So. Uh, even you know, with the the, uh, the work that we did helping them, helping with the emergency response fund, uh, really the focus was on helping them to 
um, to be able to uh, connect with their their people, whether it's uh, through uh, live streaming their mass or uh, making sure that they're um, that they've got contact information for all of their their people, uh, that their their websites, their their electronic presence, their social media presence is up to up to snuff. All those things became uh, really important uh, in March. And, and will remain important. So, you know, we're really working with uh, with those uh, parishes that uh, that need help uh, to make sure that they're they're uh, that they are able to stay connected with their people. That's great. Oh, half half a million dollars is a lot of money, and um, and a great accomplishment, Fred. The half a million was that uh, made mainly major gifts, or how how was those how were those funds raised? You know, the, the the board uh, chair mobilized the, the board of directors, and that was raised primarily from uh, from the board and also from uh, from major gifts. So, you know, we weren't able to meet in person at that time. So, you know, it was all done virtually by phone, primarily uh, through outreach to uh, to a, a small number of donors. Uh, we all also did set up on the uh, on the website. Uh, a vehicle for uh, folks to be able to contribute uh, to an emergency response fund, as well as to direct it to a particular parish if they so chose to. Um, so, yes, that was uh, uh, quite an accomplishment and uh, something that was meant to, to really be short term and, and get immediate need, immediate help to, to those parishes. And uh, so we have uh, since that time. Uh, gotten applications from over 30 parishes that are going to be able to to meet some of those pressing needs uh, through that uh, that grant process. Wonderful, wonderful. That's a great accomplishment. You continue to move the campaign forward, and you're bringing in new dollars that are going to obviously go to good use right away. So um, that's that's fantastic. I know that uh, my own one of my clients, uh, Chestnut Hill College, um, when all of this broke out in March. Uh, was getting ready to celebrate uh, and prepare to to do their 11th annual gala, and uh, and I'd love to get the folks at Chesnado College on the podcast to tell the full story, but um, they engaged us to transition their um, gala into an online event, which we re- together rebranded, uh, repurposed into um, and 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 purchased an online vehicle so that they could collect donations, um, and they actually exceeded their goal. Uh, they had a three hundred thousand dollar goal for the gala. They raised over $365,000, I believe. So they far exceeded it. And the one thing that we found with this online event is that we got more people involved with it than we would have the gala, right? You get a couple hundred people that attend a gala typically. Um, So it wasn't just the dollars, but there was over 500 donations that were made to this gala. And it really, I think, galvanized support for the community. Um, it engaged. There was ten percent of those five uh, of the dollars that were raised uh, were from new donations. Um, and what was interesting, these were some of these donations came in from alumni because it's a, it was an all girls school back in the day, who graduated back in the '60s and '70s that had never made a gift to Chestnut Hill College until they were posed with this challenge. And I think I think the moral I, t- I tell all this because I think the moral of the story is that when you present people with the right case for support, if they have the means, they want to support you, especially if they have a connection with uh, their parish or their school or their alma mater. How about you, Tom? What do you what do you see in this summer? Uh, how are you seeing uh, increases in generosity and, and engagement? 
You know, I was thinking the other day about this pandemic. If it would have happened about 30 years ago, how difficult it would have been with today's technology. We were still able to communicate with people and encourage their support. I think clergy was a little surprised, pastors, priests, that people were so willing to give. Um, I I know a lot of pastors said that uh, people were uh, looking at their websites and that traffic had increased. They were trying to get information to find out when you know, mass was going to start again, a regular mass, or how they could participate virtually. Um, so we did see a lot of that. There was a tremendous promotion of online giving as a way of support. A lot of parishes saw increase in that participation, uh, giving that way. Direct mail was also uh, an avenue uh, that was utilized that people still respond to, you know, particularly those that are not connected as strongly through technology. Uh, There were a number of text-to-give initiatives uh, that were very successful. I know there was one here in my diocese uh, in a small group of parishes that raised over $90,000. A lot of that money was recurring, which was really fantastic. The parishes would see that revenue continuously. Um, You know, it all came down to communication and a willingness to kind of tell the story, pastors to say that, you know, we're here for you. We still need support. We're trying to pay our bills so on and so forth. So uh, there was a lot of, I think we learned a lot from this whole thing. It certainly changed how fundraising is going to take place in the future, what people are willing to do. Uh, There were a lot of Zoom calls, WebEx, a lot of time on the cell phone. I'm involved with a study in a parish up in Connecticut. We're doing uh, phone interviews, which we had to shift to. There's a parish in New Jersey that we're going to be working with that was willing to meet. They had a joint session of the finance council and the parish council. Uh, They didn't host it in a a small conference room. It was in their parish center. We were all spread out uh, wearing masks and, you know, practicing the guidelines, uh, social distancing. Sure. And that worked rather well and no issues or problems with that. So, uh, you know, I think we've all learned to adapt with this. And uh, I think in in a long run, it's made, made, made us better, has made us better. I agree. And, and you know, one of the things um, that we always try not to do in, in, in the world or in fundraising is not to presume um, people's situations. And I think when the market started to crash back in March, and obviously a lot of people are hurting, I don't want to minimize that in any way. There's still a lot of people unemployed and a lot of people underemployed uh, who are coming back and, and people have taken significant pay cuts during this recession. But um, we can't assume that uh, everybody is in that same boat or that everybody has been impacted in the same way or that everybody's stock portfolio uh, went down the tubes during this. Many people are doing well um, or are at least doing as well as they were prior to the pandemic. And depending upon what your business is, depending on what you're invested in, um, we've seen some really significant gifts come in for a few of our clients. Um, Again, I go back to my client at Chestnut Hill College, a small liberal arts college in the suburbs of Philadelphia with with not a huge history of seven-figure gifts over the last four months uh, while we've been working with them on a campaign. Uh, they've su- successfully solicited four, four seven-figure gifts, four $1 million gifts as part of their campaign. And the president uh, was speaking with one of her colleagues who was getting onto a plane to go see uh, a couple of her donors, and uh, she wanted to tell her, "Don't get on the plane because all of these four million these four million dollars in gifts were solicited via Zoom, um, and and we can work 
differently now and and smarter, I think, than than we had to in the past. And hopefully that in some ways creates new opportunities for us, even after the pandemic is, is complete. Um, we've also done a series of um, receptions uh, to let people know how the school is doing. So we did a, a series of virtual Zoom gatherings that were small groups for some of the college's more significant donors. And then we did a large group one last night for about 90 uh, alums and, and donors that was also very well attended, very impactful. And um, and they want to continue that series. They, they, they see it as a great way to get their messaging out. And I don't see any reason why parishes couldn't do that. Other kinds of Catholic schools couldn't do that. Other kinds of Catholic nonprofits couldn't do that because it's just a, it's such an accessible uh, tool and everybody is much more comfortable using it than they were before March. Um, and so there's no reason not to not to put it out there. What else have you guys seen? Yeah, Jim, just to comment on that, I think that's just an efficient way to operate. People don't have to travel. They don't have to leave their office. They don't have to leave their home. You know, the message can get out there and the job can still uh, still be done, still be accomplished. Absolutely. Yeah, Jim, I agree with that. And, um, you know, I, I think we're seeing a lot more, uh, a lot more parishes, a lot more organizations, folks who are willing to meet in person. But we certainly don't want to push that before they're ready to. So that's a, a great alternative to be able to offer uh, to, to communicate virtually. Uh, but, uh, you know, we've always really, um, you know, focused on uh, doing things personally, the personal touch. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think that that's, uh, you know, the ultimate goal, but it is good to have uh, other uh, ways to, to reach folks. And uh, I agree with both of you that, that uh, communication is really the key and uh, just to be willing to, to pick up the phone and, and call and to be able to reach out to folks and see how they're doing, I think is a, is a great first step. And people do want to be connected. People do want to uh, support the church. They want to support the organizations that need it. So I think to get that message out there is is really crucial. And for the church right now to be really visible, to be out in front of this and, you know, and addressing it to the best of our ability. So um, that's that's what's so edifying for me is to be able to, to work with, uh, with lead church leaders that really believe, uh, you know, in, uh, in, in, in that and getting out and, uh, and and spreading the gospel, but also to you know to working towards getting uh, folks together in person again. Do you guys have any other examples uh, you can share with us about how uh, how your clients or other things that you're seeing around around the country? Well, Jim, I, I think um, one of the things uh, this might be a little off topic. Is parishes are concerned now about deferred maintenance. Hmm. You know, the last six months, parishes that we were talking to that were going to begin campaigns in the spring. <laughs> were put on pause, uh, you know, concern that people wouldn't support a capital campaign or they would have access to contractors who could do the work. So uh, that's something that's out there right now that I think parishes are looking at, you know, the deferred maintenance, uh, uh, you know, big projects, small projects, the bigger projects maybe being building programs to address needs, uh, the smaller projects being restoration uh, programs for you know, fixing roofs and brickwork and sidewalks and things of that nature. So I think that that's something uh, that we're going to see, you know, coming back uh, as, as a concern. I know the parishes that we're working with right now, that's what their case statements are going to be made up of as, or maintenance projects. 
And, you know, people respond to those maintenance and, and health and safety issues for their parish. And so um, there, there's never been a more critical time to go ahead and just address those head on. So I agree, not being shy about what your needs are and really continuing to communicate with the parishioners on that. They'll respond. Yeah. The needs don't go away. And if you don't address them, they only get larger. So it's true. Uh, that's, the, that's the sense of urgency, whether it's operational or whether it's maintenance or whether it's capital needs, uh, all parishes have those. So, you know, the sooner that, uh, that those are addressed, uh, the better. Absolutely. Well, Tom, Fred, thanks for this uh, conversation on uh, increasing generosity. We're going to go ahead and continue this as part of our weekly series over the next few weeks, and I'm sure we'll be having you back on. But uh, thanks again for, for being part of the show today. Thank you, Jim. Thanks, Jim. I want to thank Tom and Fred for being on our show today. It was a terrific conversation. It is the beginning of our new series, Increasing Generosity, as I said at the top of the show. And we're going to have a variety of topics. If you're a pastor or a diocesan development director, uh, or if you're just trying to move your Catholic nonprofit or school forward, I think this is going to be the series for you. We're going to bring you best practices and a whole bunch of different examples about how Catholic organizations are moving forward during this pandemic. If you like today's conversation, please leave us a note uh, on our Facebook page or on Twitter, or send us a note at jim at advancingourchurch.com. I'd love to get your feedback about what you thought of today's format and some ideas uh, for some different topics for upcoming episodes. Thanks again, Tom and Fred, and we'll have them on again next week. And if you'd like more information about our show, please visit us at advancingourchurch.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Advancing Our Church is a production of Changing Our World, and we are a fundraising and social impact consulting firm that has been advising both nonprofits and corporations for the past 20 years. For more information, please visit us at changingourworld.com. Well, that's it for me, everybody. Have a terrific week. Take care. And thanks for all you're doing to advance the mission of our church. God bless.